Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of the Peach Pundit Podcast. I'm Jason Pye, joined as always by Scott Turner and Buzz Brockway. That was Jason. <laughs> what was that? That's my way of saying hello. That's for your visual viewers. Scott did a little something, you know, inexplicable. Uh, we, we swear Buzz is here, even though he may be frozen at times, uh, but he's, Buzz is having some internet connectivity issues, but as long as we can hear him, that's all that matters. Uh, for those of yeah. you who are who are audio inclined rather than visually inclined, uh, we we both we do both audio and video versions of this podcast. So, uh, I'm in I'm in the Imperial City this week again. My my monthly trip to to Washington D.C. doing some meetings. But one thing I am checking in on whenever I get a chance is our Atlanta Braves. Uh, they are in the mm-hmm. National League Championship Series. They are up two games to one over the Los Angeles Dodgers. Should be three games to nothing, uh, uh, but that's not how baseball works. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. But you know, we we were up five to two until like what the top of the top of the, or the bottom and, of the eighth last night, right? Until they got Luke Jackson for the nine hundredth time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think everybody kind of anticipated. Look, man, Luke Luke has been Luke has been the most consistent bullpen guy all year, and he had a bad outing, no doubt about it. it, yeah. it look, do you want Tyler Matzik in a in a in a clutch? Just, spot or do you want Luke Jackson who do you want? I mean, I'll well take, I'll take Tyler Matzik thank you I expected us to get more Will Smith than Luke Jackson um, <laughs> yes yeah that's that's been more, that's been more of a thing this year no it has I mean I think to the point where the fan base is ready to pull its hair out but uh mm-hmm. but I, like of course I jinxed myself because I tweeted something last night about this I basically said like I, I'm really, I need someone to bring me back down to earth because like both the Braves and the Georgia Bulldogs are having these like really great seasons. Uh, and like, I'm also, but I'm also cognizant of the fact that I'm a lifelong, I'm a lifelong Georgia Bra- Georgia Bulldogs and Atlanta Braves fan. And like, I'm used to disappointment. So I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah. And then like within two, an hour and a half of me tweeting that the Braves blow a lead. So yeah. it's like, as if to prove my point. Yeah. You know, you- <laughs> Look, I, I'll, I'll cheer for the, the Atlanta sports teams because I've lived here for most of my life, but I'm fans. I'm, I'm a fan of other teams. Uh, you know, I, there's no Atlanta team other than Atlanta United. That's my primary team in that sport, right? Uh, I'm a Dolphins fan. I'm a Florida State fan, and I'm a Reds fan. I'm probably the only combination of those three fan bases that, that has all three of those. Uh, so I, I understand what it's like to win because the Dolphins were winners for a long time, regular season, hard, struggled postseason. Uh, I know what it's like to win a national championship for Florida State. We are, we are 31 years today celebrating the 31st anniversary of the last time the Reds won a World Series. You, you guys are spoiled as, as Atlanta sports fans. You guys have so much success. You forget what it's like to be out of a pennant race by May 1st which has been my experience for the last 14 years, except for these last two seasons. You, you forget what it's like to, to never make a playoffs in, in uh, college football. Uh, you forget what it's like to, to not make the playoffs in the NFL. And, you know, to make a Super Bowl is a big freaking deal. To make a World Series is a big deal. To make back-to-back L- ALS or NLCS turn, mm-hmm. uh, series – big big deal that doesn't happen for every team you, you go to Truist Park, especially you see all those banners for all the division wins 
But to, well, to make, I mean, to make the NLCS this year really is, I mean, this should, yeah. to me, this should silence any criticism, but, you know, any, all the doubters about the ability of Brian Snicker to manage this team and Alex Anthopoulos to put together a team. I mean, I mean, I, I thought for sure when Acuna went down, I thought, well, let's just play, you know, they're just going to play the young guys, see what we've got in the farm system and hang on and regroup for next year because I mean, but thankfully the Mets and the, and the Phillies stink stink and the Braves could make some moves uh, and, and win the division again. So I still, right. I still question the, the questions I have for ownership and the GM are not the, I, I don't think I questioned the moves that we made. Like, you know, when no. we picked up, when we picked it's up, the, it's the money. Yeah. Yeah, they got to like, pony up some more money, man. Yeah, they got to pony up some more money. Like when we picked up, we made some of the acquisitions. Like because I mean, it's not just that we lost Acuna. We lost, we lost Soroka. We lost, we lost Azuna. Yep. And and we 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 there were a couple. Darno Darno was out for a significant time. Uh, right. Ian Anderson was out for a significant time. Anoa uh, Oscar Anoa Anoa broke his hand. Uh, I mean, he was he was tearing it up, and then he you know punches a punches the wall uh and yeah. breaks his hand you know yeah. nobody taught him physics apparently well yeah, here's I, the other thing to keep in mind is that last year you had no business being in an lcs either yeah. and you took the best team in baseball to a one-run seventh game yeah in last year's lcs and you came back this year and overcame the same type of adversary adversary you, you, you have a good team in the Braves. Yeah. I oh yeah, no doubt. The fan base turns on them over one blown. Yeah, well, I mean, and and now I because you you mentioned you referenced the Georgia Bulldogs, and I'm going to come back to that because we do have other, and I, but I also need to move on because we have other a lot of other topics to discuss. But the mm -hmm. one thing about the Atlanta Braves is, um, we you know, we we went to the World Series four consecutive years, you know, other than 1994, which was a strike year. There wasn't a World Series. When the World Series four consecutive years, five consecutive years, actually, I think about I think. I think it's 90, 91, 92, 93, 95, 96. I can't remember who, I don't think we went in 97. So for four years, um, but the Marlins won in 97. I that's right. So. Yeah. yeah. So, but we won the, the, the fun. Either the Phillies, the Phillies knocked us out one year, somebody anyway. Yeah. So, so we won one world series. We went a couple more times and we, we still, we lost both those. And, yeah. and, it's been and since uh, what, 1999, or 2000 was the last time the Braves have been to the World Series? Yeah, I don't remember. I think it was 99, but I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, it's what by the Yankees, I think. Yeah, I think we got, I think it, it's not fair to say we got, we, we became new, the New York Patriots, or not New York Patriots, New England Patriots fans, where they were just kind of used to us, used to winning. But yeah. there was there was some of that. But like people were getting disappointed. It's like, oh, it's the Braves. Like we're going to go to the World Series. We're going to blow it in the World Series. Like we always did, except for that one year in 95 when we won. With the Georgia Bulldogs, it's a, it is a little different because, you know, I was, I was, I was telling, <laughs> I was telling some people about this the other day. It's like, because it's like Georgia. So the last time we won a national championship, I was like a week old. Mm -hmm. You know, that was January, <laughs> that was January 1981. Uh, it was the 1980 national championship that we won. The last time before 2017, if I remember correctly, the last time we went to a national championship was 1982. When we lost a we lost to Penn State. State. Yep. Yeah. So it's like, and then you had, the, you, so you, you you had sort of in the 1990s you had the Ray Goff years, which nobody wants to talk about or even acknowledge that they existed. <laughs> then you had the Jim Donnan years when we improved. Then you had the Mark Rick years when like we could never win a the big game. And mm -hmm. now you're in the Kirby Smart years. It's like, oh well, you, like we actually went to a national championship. The one thing I will say about Georgia Bulldogs fans is they 
they we live way too much in the past and we don't and like we think we do think we are to some degree uh we live way too much in the past uh but the georgia bulldogs fan base will never be like the atlanta braves fan base and isn't yeah i don't think you can make a comparison it's the same people <laughs> i don't know why you think it's <laughs> not all the same people but it's not, it's not all the same people I oh mean, yeah because you you can mix in a couple of georgia tech guys that are brave yeah i was gonna say i was gonna say there's some heathens who are <laughs> but at least one out here that's uh <laughs> all okay so we're talking about winning and losing but one one person one set of people we know who have lost are the the clowns who 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 filed this lawsuit in henry county over about uh over over the uh over ballot inspections trying to get an audit trying to cast out on the 2020 uh election uh judge brian amaro has tossed that case uh due to lack of standing if i recall correctly um go ahead scott no, I just noticed what Buzz is drinking, you traitorous bastard. <laughs> I was at the office today. These were there, and I thought, I'm, I'm bringing this. Who's I'm going to drink this because it's delicious, Who's and it will annoy the heck out of my friend Scott. This podcast has already gone off the rails. If you're listening to this, I'm sorry. I had an emotional reaction to Buzz Brockway's beverage choice. But who's the bigger disappointment? <laughs> Buzz. yeah we, all right we've got new 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 coke zero and a pep and diet pepsi versus scott buzz buzz is the bigger disappointment you win pie i'm just trolling just i know troll. you are so so Broke anyway. it out at the wrong time go, go, go. now we've got well now there's got we've got tension in the podcast so the ballot inspection congratulations case, the ballot inspection case has been tossed by judge brian amaro um if I recall correctly, it was because of lack of standing. Nice. Uh, so uh, where where the conspiracy theorists who who have largely pushed this case, uh, do they have a path forward at all? What do you, well, first of all, what do you guys think about the case being tossed, and do these guys have a path forward through some other some other avenue? Um, I guess it is hard to judge the merits of the case because you know that the, there was a lack of standing problem, but uh, I don't know. I mean, it's. I think we've we've talked about before. I, I am I'm not opposed to the concept of of audits, um, but you got to have people. You, you if you're going to conduct a forensic audit, everybody's throwing around this term about forensic audit. We need forensic audit. You know, every candidate, every Republican candidate is calling for a forensic audit, and and if you're going to have a forensic forensic audits are conducted by experts. And so if you're going to do a forensic audit of the elections, you need to have people who are experts in documents and in, in document flow and actually understand Georgia law and like the back of their hand. You need to bring in experts because that's what that's what they do in forensic audits. They don't just invite in people off the street and say, hey, take a look at this. And so I think, you know, no disrespect to the people who are involved in this, but uh, they're not the people that I would trust to conduct a forensic audit of the 2020 election um so yeah, there you go i'm sure that i'm sure they're you know th those those folks are you know upset with me anyway so no yeah the 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 headline that the ajc chose to run was not what was in the 
the body of the article, which I True. found interesting. You know, they the headline made it seem like the the case was tossed because of a lack of of a substantive, yeah, right, uh, right. Know, that the that the substance of the lawsuit didn't have merit. Now, we can debate that, I suppose, but the case was tossed on technicality, not because of the yeah. merits of the case. So it's possible that these people would regroup and try again. They essentially sued the wrong people, uh, which is defined. Honestly, it's defined in the election code who you need to sue in the event that you have uh, an issue. Uh, you cannot sue um, local officials. You have to go and sue. You know, it's very clear where mm -hmm. you have to go with your lawsuit. They clearly didn't understand the rules of the law. And they filed uh, invalid lawsuit as a result. It was tossed. It gives them that headline, right? That it was tossed after no fraud found, but that yeah. wasn't the case, right? So I, I expect I haven't talked to any of them over there, but I expect that they will not give up because um, they're continuing to have events, uh, you know, where they're trying to raise money. So I yeah. expect that they will continue these types of efforts um, until they get some level of satisfaction, which may be never, we may continue forever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think there's a point at which groups like voter GA need to give up and move on. Um, mm -hmm. And, and look, I, I understand there's, there's, there's skepticism. I understand skepticism, but like the, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a way to say this that, that makes sense. It's okay to be a skeptic, but but when you keep pushing this to a point where I, I personally believe like this is going going to come back and haunt people, which I know we're going to discuss later. It's gonna it's gonna haunt yeah. Georgia elections, you know, now and into the future. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. that you, you, you at some point at some point you deserve responsibility for that. You are walking yeah. into a potential trap where you are going to be suppressing the will of people to vote. Yeah. You're going to be discouraging them actively from going to participate in the electoral process because you're making them believe that their vote doesn't count. And what, therefore it's a useless exercise. And we're seeing that, right? Um, this is what I would challenge voter GA and any other group that wants to go down this road towards a forensic audit is clearly identify what you want. Mm -hmm. yeah, maybe Very we clearly I... articulate what it is that you're looking to do, because I believe that nine, 90% of what they've asked for has already been done. Yeah. They've gone and looked at specific boxes of ballots to make sure that there was no pristine ballots or there were no photocopy ballots. They you know they've gone and looked at multiple batches that were under that were suspected of, of that. They we've hand counted the ballots multiple times to make sure the machine counts were accurate. I mean, what is it that you want? You say yeah. a forensic audit, but what does that mean to you? Because every time we do some aspect of a forensic audit, you say that's not enough. We need more. Yeah. Define what that is. Define what that is. Before you take any other legal step, before you take any other press release or big event, define what it is that you want. I don't understand. I don't understand what it is that you're trying to do. You say forensic audit like I know what that means. <clears throat> Clearly, right. I don't because every time I say, well, we've done that. We've done this. We've done that. You say, yeah. well, we haven't done a forensic audit. Well, that's mm -hmm. all the aspects, all the individual components of a forensic audit. Tell me what you want. Tell me very clearly. Tell me what you want. So one of the things, one of the things, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna substitute a topic into this because I think, because we're gonna go back and we're gonna t discuss uh, ballots and elections quite a bit here, and 
I think this one deserves to go ahead and be mentioned now, uh, considering the lack of confidence that um, I think these lawsuits are, are, are kind of pushing in amongst voters in Georgia. Um, there are two different stories that I saw this week. Uh, I sent both of them to you guys. Um, so I saw this in Politico Playbook, which if you don't subscribe to it, it yes, there's a bias, but it's actually, it keep, it's, a, it's a must read if you're into politics. Um, so there's a, a, a little tidbit on Monday morning uh, titled The Elephant in the Room. We've been sounding this note for a while. The Republican Party apparatus is increasingly worried that Donald Trump's lies about the 2020 election could cost in, in 2022 and 2024, distracting from the rest of the party's agenda. The New York Times' Jeremy Peters reports that a survey of GOP voters in uh, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene's district found that 5 to 9% would not vote in 2022 unless the state conducts an audit of the 2020 election, alarming the GOP in a, uh, in, the, in a state with narrow margins. And then there was another story that came, um, and this, the source on this one's Salon, which is not, not friendly to Republicans, uh, but basically saying that um, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who we usually call she who must not be named, Scott doesn't really like that, so I'm, I'm, I'm appeasing Scott right now. Um, uh, she apparently was, and this is from the story, was, was apparently just made to learn that 4% of her state's electorate said they won't even vote in future elections due to that, due to, to electoral fraud, um, or election fraud. So it's, um, you know, 4% you don't win statewide in any race. 9% it's a blowout. Right. <laughs> and, and, and this is. This is something, and it, it, like, in Trump also had that statement last, I think, last week, where he said Republican voters won't show up to the polls if, you know, if if audits aren't conducted or or whatever. If the the, the you know this we don't fix the previous elections, I think. Is right, right. It's, just, it's like whatever fix means. Right, and I had, yeah. yeah, and I had that post impeachment basically saying like Donald Trump wants wants Republicans to lose. Like that's and and yeah. I mean, not only that, Republicans seem to want Republicans to lose because well, I think. Marjorie Taylor Greene's reaction is that she realizes, holy crap, we're going to lose if we keep this up, right? Yeah, I mean, but and then it was a it is a blame blame shifting. You know, I read through her tweet storm about it, and it was all here's the list of things you must do, and it was it was right in line with what you said, Scott. It's more, well, we've done this, we've done that, we've done the other thing, but it's, and it's not enough. It's not enough. It's never enough, and so. I, I think, unfortunately, for the folks like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Donald Trump and others, uh, they have so thoroughly convinced uh, a portion of their base that the not it is rigged and it is rigged for all time until, you know, I don't know, I don't know what they want. Replace the Dominion Trump is president. Yeah, replace That's the it. Dominion machines, and it's still you know are, the other ones would be rigged. Right. Uh, you know, anybody votes absentee ballot, well, that's all stolen votes. Uh, so you have you have set up the, the you have sown the seeds of your own defeat, right? And, and and I think that they're coming. Look, she can blame shift all she wants, but she has to come to a realization. And, and I think she is getting there, based upon what I'm seeing, is that she can't continue this messaging without there being real repercussions. And mm -hmm. and she actually showed genuine concern for Brian Kemp. Yeah. And his ability to beat Stacey Abrams if this continues in this trend, which well, is something she, new, right? She hadn't shown any any type of concern for any other Republican at all. This is the first time she's shown any yeah. any type of concern for anybody else other than 
she who must not be named. And she she faces a primary opponent. I don't. We'll we'll see how credible this person is. Um, I forget her name. I'm sorry, but she she uh, has a has an impressive resume. You would think uh, an opportunity is there for her to raise some significant money and mount a credible campaign. And I think the other thing that Marjorie Green knows is that four to nine percent are her most ardent supporters. Yeah. So if they don't show up in a primary, then yeah. who knows what happens. Yeah. And we got to remember, she, she won that. She won her primary, but she, she didn't win it by a large margin. Right. No. And, and she, she did have, um, she, she did have a, a fundraising advantage over others. Yes. Uh, in a race. She where will, she will next time. Were. Yeah. And, yep. and she, she has a huge fundraising advantage now. I, yep. I have no, no uh, doubt that she is going to be the nominee for that seat going forward. And as long as she wants it at this point, unless I don't know, uh, I don't know. I, I, I can't foresee a, a, an instance where she's not the nominee. Let's just put it that way. But <laughs> I find it refreshing, honestly. And I have to give her credit where credit is due, that she's recognizing that the rhetoric that we've, that's taken us to this point is dangerous for the party. Yeah. And yep. if she, it, whatever it takes for her to course correct on that, I welcome her to, to, to the new narrative that we have to make sure we get these people back to the polls. Yeah, it's it, the, th the thing that, the thing that, I find so funny in all this is is the fact that Kevin McCarthy is literally trying to pick out the furniture for the speaker's office right now. I mean, well, maybe not literally, but you, you mean, you know, it's kind and, of like Braves fans shopping for World Series tickets in the eighth inning last night. Right. No. Yeah. Exactly. And it's 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 it is it is. I think everyone. Oh, well, I think most people. If you like, there are surveys of congressional staff, and like you know, most of them, the majority of them. Are believe that Republicans are probably going to take the House. They're going to take the House in 2022. But the thing is, if they do take the House, nobody expects the margins to be super big. No, you know, we're we're, we're talking 10, 15 seats. You know, mm -hmm. you know, probably at maximum. Um, but if I don't know, it's like it's like it's like that saying, and, and uh, you know, I, I, we try not to to overuse profanity, but it's like that saying, "Fuck around and find out." Mm -hmm. It's like you know, because because that's kind of what's happening. What they're doing. Right? Oh man, yeah, like have, do we have a beep button on the Peach Pundit podcast? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's like that's what's happening. It's like they're fucking around and finding out. Like it's like, oh oh crap, we actually have a problem here. The you know, some of our most ardent supporters, people who come out and vote, you know, four to nine percent of them might not come out and vote. And the reason might not come out and vote is because we've been pushing this conspiracy theory for the last right. 10 months. And look, 12, we, we've 12 seen, months, 12, almost 12 we've months. We've seen this before. This is exactly what happened on January 5th here in Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. Hundreds it's, of thousands sat home. And I, I know I had a guy who was really ticked off of me, but this, I, I have not, I've yet to see evidence otherwise. The number one reason that people chose to stay home was because they bought into the idea that it was rigged, and why waste your time on an election that's rigged? Over yeah. three hundred thousand, according to Greater Georgia, over three hundred thousand voters stayed home who were Republicans, and Kelly Leffler lost by fifty-five thousand. Yeah, There's yeah, your it's margin. Yeah, it's 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 a huge like I I don't know, man. Like it's don't stop measuring, stop measuring the drapes, stop stop picking out your what your couch is going to look like in your office and the speakers in the speaker's office in the Capitol, like you you have a real problem here and yeah. they're, they're not only because you're gonna yeah you'll win you'll win some seats and you might might win a majority still 
but it, it's going to be a more a much narrower majority than it otherwise could have been if this stuff persists going into going into next year or especially this time next year because like this time next year we're going to be yeah. two weeks away from election day and if the questions right. are still lingering whether the voters voters are going to turn out because it's you know i don't you know i don't know i mean we still you still you know it may not be Speaker Nancy Pelosi because she's term. She apparently has term. Well, she had term limited herself out. And this is supposed to be her last term as Speaker, regardless of what happens. But you might still have a Democrat holding the Speaker's gavel. So you know, it's it's like, yeah, yeah. It's like why I say f around and find out, man. Um, so, but in keeping with the the spirit of elections, one of the things that came out last week was that um, was that uh. Some there were accusations, and in fact, the two Fulton County election employees were fired for shredding voter registration voter registration applications. Um, yeah. This is this is one of those things that you know when we're talking about this issue, it's like it this is out there, and this is people are going to point to it. Hold on, Scott. People are going to point to it and say that this is this is why you can't believe the result yeah. of the election because things like this happen. And Fulton County, of course, is notorious for for its uh, really stellar election returns process <laughs> scott you're shaking slash sarcasm font use. yeah right, exactly yeah. that was i was not being serious uh yeah. scott uh you were you were shaking your head at me a second yeah ago. uh sb202 has a provision which allows the state elections board to take over our local elections board the democrats cry foul saying oh you're subverting local control and this is exactly why this right here this is the reason why that provision was in SB 202 was because Fulton County can't get their act together. They don't know how to run an election. They don't know how to, to follow process. Of course, it's illegal to shred ballot applications. Of course it is, but they did it anyway. Right. And they, oh, but they got fired. Well, it should never have happened. And, but this kind of stuff is consistent. It's not a one-off with Fulton County. And, and when we have election problems repeating themselves over and over and over in one area, the state has a vested interest, a compelling state interest, if you will, to intervene and make sure that elections are being run properly, that the process is being followed, that the law is being followed. Fulton County time and time again screws this stuff up. Democrats want to go and defend Fulton County and their right to appoint their own elections officials. Whatever. Go do that. I don't think you're going to win on that issue. I think the Republicans are acting responsibly here and, and adding that in SB 202 and those who fought against it need to explain why it's okay for this type of stuff to happen again and again and again. Buzz? I, I was just, I'm scanning through the Twitter site of Fair Fight Action because I, I was wondering, you know, maybe if they're wrong, maybe one of the readers can tell me, did, did they issue a statement con condemning this? Because this is, these were people trying to register to vote. Fair fight action is supposed to be there protecting the rights of Democrats to vote. Fulton County is one of the biggest uh, Democratic counties in the state of Georgia. These are people registering not to vote uh, in next year's election. They're registering to vote for the election that's gonna that's taking place in a couple of weeks here. Uh, in municipal elections in places like the city of Atlanta, Democratic stronghold. And I uh, maybe I missed it. I didn't see Stacey Abrams or fair fight action out he here. Where's B. Wynn? Yeah, where's, where's B. Wynn on this? She's, she's up, up in, in D.C. DC getting, getting arrested. arrested. For, yeah, she's up in yeah. D.C. getting arrested for blocking a sidewalk. Where's, and yeah, where where but, are you on this, Representative Wynn? Where's your complaint about how people's rights are being violated and their access to the yeah. ballot place and the ballot box is being violated by the the officials in Fulton County? Where's your criticism of them? 
Right. But it is like, and, you know, Scott's got nail in the head. It's, it's stunning incompetence. I don't think there's anything malicious. My, my guess is that, you know, somebody grabbed the wrong stack of stuff and started shredding, but uh, you know, it's unfortunate because, you know, they got to figure out who those people are They're, They attempted to register to vote and now they're not registered to vote. And so, yeah, the Fulton County Commissioner uh, uh, did issue a statement. He said the revelation of wrongdoing by two fired employees in our election department makes me angry. The actions of these two individuals will not disparage the hard and consistent work to improve our elections uh, process and procedures. I applaud the employees who took forward thinking action and immediately reported the incident. In my book, they are the heroes and the story is more about them, not about the malfeasance of two people who acted unlawfully. Uh, he also defended Fulton County uh, here. Some will try to make this incident uh, another part of the quote unquote pile on to taint Fulton County in our elections operation. But again, the fact that we move so swiftly to hold these two individuals accountable says so, so much more about how fair and transparent our process is and what we stand for in the pursuit of fair and secure elections. The only problem I have with that is the simple fact that Fulton County's elections is not are, are not transparent. Uh, and and historically speaking, like everybody, like you remember in the old days, Buzz, when we would do live blogs of Peach Pundit on election night, things like that. We always knew Fulton County was going to be an issue. We all we made we, we made absolutely. Fun of it. And there was you know, a left wing film. I remember I met when I was still in the house. I met a a left wing filmmaker who was making a film about elections in Georgia and how horrible it was. And his main complaint was that he tried to observe the process in Fulton County and they kicked him out. Not, you know, not, uh, you know, your, your Cherokee County, your, your basic hardcore uh, Republican area, Fulton County. If he had come to Cherokee County, we would have given him gravy and biscuits and sweet tea and, and set him up in the corner wherever he wanted to be and showed him the process. And that's right. how we treat people in Cherokee County. But <laughs> to the elections directors in Fulton County's uh, that's pile the, the on, that's the chairman of, chairman of the, the, the Fulton County Board. Oh, Rob Pitts? So, no, I'm sorry. Hold on a second. Let me see who that was. Fulton County, Commission, Fulton County Commissioner. Sorry. Yeah, Rob Pitts then. So if, yeah. if, if Mr. Pitts wants to say this is part of the pylon, if there wasn't a reason to pile on, there would be no pylon. <laughs> the reason why there is a pylon is because this keeps repeating itself over and over again. So Do something about it, Commissioner so the, Pitts. The interesting about it. The interesting thing in this is is also Brad Raffensperger's response, and 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 once again, yep. I'll, I'll repeat the the standard: we don't want to talk about you, but you make it. <laughs> uh, is, but in this situation, uh, you know, it's it's actually pretty interesting what what Raffensperger did. It's a smart political play, uh, given what he's been going through. Uh, Raffensperger called on the Department of Justice to investigate the allegations uh, and to to uh, put, you know to to bring to hold the people accountable. Uh, potentially, which is interesting because the DOJ is currently suing the state of Georgia over SB 202. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe good politics, but, you know, we need the DOJ to stay in their lane. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's purely a political move. We got I state mean, laws to handle this. We'll take care of it. Yeah, <laughs> no, I it's mean, it is 100% a political move. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's I look, I, I'm sure I'm sure the the Raffensperger campaign team slash deputy secretary of state probably thought it was a really good idea to issue this as a they pounced yeah i mean it was pouncing on this opportunity right <laughs> well look how aggressive we are to defend the, the right of people to vote in georgia yeah we're fighting for everybody it's garbage it's uh i'm sorry secretary brad it's 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 transparently political um i don't want the dog doj and 
DOJ. The DOJ involved in anything elections in Georgia. Please don't invite them here. Keep them in D.C. Keep if them we had more here. DOGs in elections, it might be a whole lot better. It'd be more fun. I, I, happier place. I'm sure of, that I'll be gifts. writing. I will be writing my own dog's name in several different races. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, since we're on the uh, this still on the theme of elections, I'm, I'm switching out another topic. Uh, early voting has started in municipal municipal elections around the state. Those elections, I, I think, are a week after next. Um, I I don't live in a municipality, so I have. I have absolutely nothing to, nothing to cast a ballot for, as far as I know, at least. Um, so, no uh, T-splas, no splas, no Ed splas. I will go look that up as soon as we get done tonight, because I actually don't know if there's a T-splas or an Ed splas on our ballot this year. I think we did T-splas a while enough back that's still in effect. We have Ed splas this year in Cherokee County. So, yeah. uh, actually, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to my voter page right now and look this up. So. <laughs> <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves. Yeah, so I guess the mayor's race in Atlanta, Kasim uh, Reed, seems inevitable. Uh, mayor, uh, uh, a runoff maybe. Well, Ambassador Young came out and said he's voting for Kasim Reed. Um, Police yeah, union I, endorsed him. I, I guess. I, you know, mm. I, I guess the the one person who's really disappointed in all this is BJ Pack, uh, who aggressively <laughs> went after and prosecuted several members of. Kasim Reed's former yeah. administration, uh, which happened to be uh, continuing a, a long list of corrupt um, <laughs> mayors in in Atlanta. So I don't know. Uh, It'll be interesting is- to see. I mean, I think. Look, I mean, it's the perfect. If you're Kasim Reed, this is the perfect time to make a comeback. Because, to his credit, he he when he first ran, he said he was going to fully staff the police force. Did I don't know if he completely got there, but there was definitely that sense that. Uh, he supported the police. Crime was down uh, under his in his administration, and you know we, we saw the FBI crime statistics a few weeks ago. Uh, murder and uh, aggravated assault are up in Atlanta. Most other crimes are continue continuing their downward trend, but obviously uh, a, a thirty uh, you know a, a massive uh, spike in murders in the city of Atlanta is very very concerning. Yeah, and Kasim comes along and says, "I'll do something about it." You yeah, know, I yeah. did. I did before. I'll do it again. And that—that's, you know, that's a pretty powerful campaign platform to run on. A point of a point of uh, because I spent a lot of time going over the when Buzz talk about talks about the crime statistics. That's the FBI's UCR, the Unified Crime Reporting, and yeah. it's it's basically reports on from from police departments, participating police departments around the country, and it showed a five percent increase in violent crime and a twenty nine percent percent increase in homicides. The interesting thing. Is in the most one of the most overlooked reports in uh, that come from the alphabet soup of agencies under the uh, guise of uh, or the admi- administration of the Department of Justice is the Bureau of Justice Statistics National Crime Victimization Survey, hmm. and I don't recall the statistic off the top of my head, but the Crime Victimization Survey actually showed a twenty two percent decline in violent crime uh, year to year over uh, over twenty nineteen. So. Uh, I've been going through that report um, yeah. uh, and compiling data. It's actually pretty interesting to, to, to see. You know, they don't track it by state or geographical region or city or anything like that. Um, I do think they have a dis- distinction between urban and suburban and rural, but that's not, not city specific. And look, so, that kind of makes sense uh, you know, just offhand, because if we're all quarantined, your opportunity to commit, commit violent crime <laughs> uh, is, is, is goes way down. But I think, you know, in Atlanta, I mean, there there has been a a noticeable 
troubling spike in murders. And I, th I think, you know, Kasim has, uh, Reed has seized upon that. I, I don't, I think my guess is he's, he winds up in a runoff with Felicia Moore and then we'll, I don't think, I don't think anybody has, I, I haven't seen a poll that shows anybody over 50%, although it, it, it mostly they tend to show Kasim and, and Felicia Moore uh, running one, two in various orders. And those two are probably headed for runoff. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be really kind of uh, interesting to see how that race plays out and as well as what Kasim Reed's going to do. Uh, because like, and I'm not, but I'm not playing down the, the, um, the fact that crime in Atlanta has is rising. The UCR certainly bears that out. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's uh, the one thing I will, the one thing I will say on, on crime is um, one year does not make a trend. And that's, right. something, that's something we got to keep in mind. So yeah. Uh, Scott, you got anything you want to add before we move on to just the on the broader topic of uh, municipal elections? You went and looked at your My Voter page. Uh, everybody should be doing that. Uh, it's the reason why I wanted to add it to the agenda was to remind people in this this seemingly unelection like time period. There are elections going on around the around the state. You yep. may live in a county that has some sort of splost on the ballot. You have may have very strong feelings about tax increases or making sure that certain things are paid for. You'll want to research those issues and you have a, a, a couple of weeks before the polls close. So go ahead and get out there and vote. That's what I, I just want to encourage that. Uh, one point, because I, I want to move on to our, our next topic um, real fast. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but this is something we didn't get to last week uh, was Jim Beck, the former commissioner of, uh, of insurance is now uh, a federal, well, been convicted of crimes. I don't know if he, I don't know if he's officially a federal prisoner yet, but December first, I think he yeah. reports. Yeah, he will. He will. He will be serving uh, time in in federal prison. Um, reaction, guys. About time. That took a long time. Yeah. Um, I know ju the the wheels of justice move slowly. Uh, and I COVID slowed it way down. COVID may no slow it down too, but uh, you know, uh, Jim Beck continued to maintain his innocence um, in the face of overwhelming evidence. Um, talk about a forensic audit. Um, you know, <laughs> that's what a forensic audit looks like, by the way, and that's where it leads to is somebody going to jail for stealing millions of dollars in the yep. name of charity. Um, what a disgusting thing to get convicted of, right? Mm. Um, I, I know people who who had personally believed in Jim Beck who were who owned insurance businesses to go work yep. for his administration they had to sell their their book of business and sign a non-compete they like completely bought into the promise of the shysterism of jim beck and yeah. they were victims of him you know yeah. they they found themselves when commissioner king took over without a job and without the ability to go back into business for themselves and it's just terrible and it's had a ripple effect I mean, he didn't just impact the people he stole from there were dozens if not hundreds of other people who had a direct consequence based upon his actions and i hope that he comes to recognize it i hope he makes amends i hope he repents i hope he makes it right for the people that he's hurt you're here seven years in prison i think uh, the prosecutors asked for 10 his attorneys asked for five and the judge split the difference and well he can get he, he can get 15 he can do 15 he can get up to 15 percent um out of prison through good time credits and then as much and, and the more if as long as this was not an exemption from first step back he can earn time credits so you know he might spend 50 percent of his time actually in prison um and the rest in a halfway house or home confinement so 
Mm -hmm. uh, but he at, at minimum he'll spend three and a half years in a federal prison facility minus any time served already so um, mm -hmm. yeah but I work Mr. Beck to to relax sentences and to, <laughs> to make conditions that are in federal prison so you know I'm happy happy to help you out um, so driving up uh, driving up to DC on Sunday uh, stopped off for, uh, in Virginia a couple times, uh, to one to eat two to, uh, I also happen to stay in Virginia when I'm in town. Um, so I'm seeing signs everywhere. Uh, there, for those of you who don't know, Virginia's Virginia elects its governor every five years. It's, uh, it's always, almost always in, well, it's always an off year election. Uh, so it's happening this year. Uh, Terry McAuliffe, who previously served as governor is, is running again, uh, because you can serve non-consecutive terms, you just can't serve consecutive terms. Um, and he is up against uh, Glenn Youngkin, uh, who has turned the Dunkin' Donuts uh, saying, uh, you know, running on Dunkin', uh, just like South for me. Um, polls are showing this race like rapidly tightening. Today, Monmouth, Monmouth had a poll uh, that had them statistically tied at 46%. Uh, if you do a plus three Republican... Republican advantage, uh, Youngkin's ahead. If you do a D plus three advantage, it's uh, uh, McCall. That means ahead. that Youngkin's probably really ahead by 10. <laughs> <laughs> that would be shocking. Well, the, 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 the thing they're, they're saying, the thing they're, they're, and this is, this ultimately leads me to, to where I'm going with this is McAuliffe realizes that he has an enthusiasm, enthusiasm gap, uh, and he has called out all the stops. President Barack, Barack Obama has, has campaigned for him, uh, First Lady Joe Biden campaigned for him. Um, and he called in some weird ones to come up. Uh, the one that, and it's not ultimately who we're going to talk about. The one that really caught me off guard was Keisha Lance Bottoms. Yeah. Uh, it's like you want the one-term mayor of the city of Atlanta who is overseeing a big increase in, <laughs> in crime uh, to come and campaign for you. That does not make a lot of sense to me. But yeah. you do you, man. Uh, <laughs> the, one, the one interesting one was Stacey Abrams. And, and it, well, well, another interesting one was Stacey Abrams. And Stacey Abrams uh, gave some comments at a speech at a rally for uh, Terry McAuliffe uh, in which she said, I come from a state where I was not entitled to become the governor, but as an American citizen and a citizen of Georgia, I'm going to fight for every person who has the right to vote and be able to cast that vote. Um, you, are, you are not entitled to become governor you lost the damn election yeah, by like 50,000 votes. And I realized it was a very close election. And I realized that, uh, that there were claims of a stolen election because uh, I tweeted out something. Um, I tweeted out something about this. I said, I, don't, I truly don't understand the entitled comment Abrams lost. It was close, sure, but she lost. To which uh, a, a friend of mine responded and said, well, you know, Georgia did purge however many hundreds of thousands of voters from the voter rolls uh, ahead of that election. Um, <laughs> which uh First people who didn't live here anymore that's yeah, what that's yeah, dead that's people what, and people who had moved away i mean <laughs> yeah it, it's it, it, like pulling up the tweet right now and he he actually he screenshot something and um it, you know in the three months more than eighty thousand, eighty-five thousand voters were purged in the rolls under kemp uh 668 voters were purged um hashtag uh, fake news yeah it, and yeah so it's um and between 2012 and 2016, one and a half million voters were purged. Uh, Ten percent of all, more than 10 percent of all voters, uh, and that yeah. comes from the Brennan Center, uh, who who I work with a lot on criminal justice and are good people. Just happen to disagree with them about some things, but yeah. 
What do you guys make of the entitled comment? She was not entitled to become governor of Georgia. I, th I, think, I think she knows in the wake of Trump complaining about a stolen election, she can't say what she's been saying for years now, that the election was stolen from her. She can't say that. So this is a new way to say it was stolen from me. That's, that's the first thing that struck me when I saw this. It's all poppycock. And of course, you know, why, why would, you know, we'll, we'll, I'd love to see reporters asking Democrats, you know, does Terry McAuliffe believe that uh, Stacey Abrams had the election stolen from her? I mean, how, how can you then turn around and condemn Donald Trump if, if Stacey Abrams has been doing, and she has been, she's been doing the exact same thing. She's filed million, uh, you know, hundreds of lawsuits, you know, hundreds. She filed lots and lots of lawsuits. She's formed an organization to try to fix everything that only really helps Democrats. And then she travels the country talking about how uh, she's the rightful governor of Georgia. Yeah. How is that any different than Donald Trump? Stacey Abrams blazed a trail through a forest that had never been walked before. <laughs> she, well, I mean, other than Al Gore claiming that 2000 had been stolen too. And Hillary Clinton's claiming 2016 oh, was stolen yeah. and uh, John so, Kerry so 2004 was stolen. Maybe she just like walked <laughs> down a trail, but it was still a trail. And then along comes Donald Trump and he drives a Mack, track, Mack <laughs> truck through that same <laughs> trail and makes it a road. And now it's well established and everybody's traveling back and forth. And but whoa, you know, when <laughs> Trump does it, it's really bad. The, the one, the one in, in defense of Al Gore real fast, he presided over his own election, electoral college count and did it with yeah, grace that I think we yeah. all we all he, wish he, that he had. The same yep. as Mike Pence, right? Let's right. give them both kudos for that. Yep. Great. Good job for doing what you're supposed to do. <laughs> Way to leave the turn off the lights when the when you're walking out the building. Good job. Let's clap for that. Oh, constitutionally good, mandated job congratulations on doing the dishes as well and for vacuuming good job doing your laundry good job good job let's just <laughs> clap for them for when they do with the things they're actually supposed to do well that's that's sarcasm that's <laughs> was it was that sarcasm okay listen this is the, my reaction you asked the question what's my reaction to stacy abrams in the entitled did she just misspeak am i wrong till they give her the benefit of the doubt on this did she use a word out of context? And and really, she didn't misspeak. Well, I mean, but what she said was, I wasn't entitled. If she said, I was entitled and lost, that would be the incendiary thing. But she said, I wasn't entitled. So was it that bad? Am I, am I wrong to not be outraged by this comment? I mean, I'm, I wasn't outraged. I mean, I think it was more of like, a lot of people were though so there were a lot of people who were but it was, it was more of like bad like bad word choice like yeah when you get up in front of a bunch of people it's happened to me i i've chosen the wrong word you know i i know the sentiment i want to try to i've done it on this podcast i want the, i know the sentiment i want to try to convey but i am not quick enough on my feet in that in that specific moment to pick the right word she said she was not <laughs> entitled to being governor and i think people an odd have, choice I, it's a it, weird it phrase is a weird choice but i mean she said i'm not entitled if she had said i was entitled but that would be the outrageous thing in my mind right am mm -hmm. i wrong am i wrong to think that way i don't i don't i don't think you're necessarily wrong i i think i i didn't realize you were such a big stacy abrams fan and that you, right. want, you wanted her to be governor right. but like right. you know, yeah. but. <laughs> 
He's trying to oh, follow please. the lead of Donald Trump. That's all he's doing. <laughs> oh my God, that's a bigger insult. <laughs> so, God, I just knew I'd, if I took this position that I was going to get totally rashed. So, so totally, uh, totally worth it. Uh, revisiting uh, another conversation we had earlier, but I should have moved it up, but I didn't. Uh, Herschel Walker also realizes that Donald Trump's st statement regarding Republican voters and how they're going to stay home is potentially damaging to uh, the party's effort, specifically his effort to defeat Raphael Warnock. Uh, in the 2022 midterm election. Um, the fact that Herschel Walker is saying it and saying it out loud is uh, pretty interesting. He is in a primary, of course, and but he's and he's endorsed by Donald Trump. Um, but I think, you know, the fact that he realizes the damage this is going to cause or uh, is already causing is is uh, pretty big deal. I don't know how, you know, we, we talked a few weeks back about this. I don't know how Trump, he's so dead set against Brian Kemp but he want, he's endorsed Jody Heiss, he's endorsed uh, Herschel Walker, he's endorsed Burt Jones. Uh, they're all running as a, the, maybe not as a ticket, but they're all on the same ballot together. And a person who shows up to vote for Burt Jones is going to vote for Brian Kemp. A person who shows up for Brian Kemp is going to vote for Herschel Walker. Uh, Trump is not going to be able to separate those things. So uh, I think Herschel's realizing what Marjorie Greene is realizing, what many other Republicans are realizing that um, uh, continuing to bash Brian Kemp, continuing to go along with the stolen election narrative is going to suppress turnout. And uh, it, it has the potential to take them all down, quite frankly. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is a reaction from Brian Kilmeade's show. Um, I believe it's on Fox Business, maybe Fox News. Mm -hmm. um, he's on Brian Kilmeade. And uh, Kilmeade asks about Trump's latest statement regarding Republicans sitting home, where Trump is essentially telling Republicans, stay home if they don't make me president. And we all know that's not going to happen. So essentially, he's telling people, stay home, don't vote. Um, and so the, the quote from Herschel Walker is, that's not the right message. I'm very honored he endorsed me, he being Donald Trump. But he knows he knows Herschel Walker is going to do it Herschel Walker's way. It's not <laughs> Donald Trump running. And uh, I think basically Herschel Walker has realized very quickly that if he doesn't try to firewall the rhetoric, he will lose in a general yeah. election when he gets the nomination. He needs the four to nine percent to come back out. He yep. needs them to win. He can't have them sitting at home. So, yeah, it's the wrong message. I'm really happy to hear Herschel Walker say it out loud and in a conservative format in a conservative audience. He needs to be saying that all the time now, yeah, yeah. all the time. You know, if, and, and that's what it's going to take for us as a party to get beyond this conspiracy theory, theory stuff that's kind of taken over. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so this was added to the, the agenda for tonight, and I don't know what it means because I have not seen anything about this. And I consider myself pretty reasonably well-informed about Georgia politics. Uh, but Jeff Duncan for president? <laughs> Buzz, tell me more. Like, what's happening? So, um, um, Jeff Duncan's got his book, GOP 2.0, out there, uh, where he talks about his experiences during the, uh, the aftermath of the election and uh, his vision for uh, what, what he wants the future to be. He, he received an invitation 
I'm pulling it up now so I can get it exactly right. We all know New Hampshire is a place where aspiring pre, you know, candidates for president go. But apparently there's a there's a place, there's a college. I'm looking I'm looking it up now. Uh, the New Hampshire Institute of one of the universities in New Hampshire. Repeat that, Buzz. We lost you for a second. Oh, sorry. Uh, Duncan received an invitation to speak at the New Hampshire Institute of Politics, okay. which is housed in one of the universities up there. And apparently the New Hampshire Institute for Politics is kind of like the first place. They, they, invite, they invite lots and lots and lots of people who might potentially run for president to come and talk to them. And they uh, give, deliver a speech, talk about their vision for America, et cetera. So Jeff Duncan went up there. And of course, it's it prompted a uh, uh, a little blurb in the AJC's jolt. You know, Jeff Duncan for Jeff Duncan ran for president. He was asked that question uh, point blank, um, as I imagine they asked everybody who comes to speak to them. Uh, but Jeff said he's he's focusing on his GOP 2.0 and trying to uh, get the Republican Party moving forward. But it certainly you know it it, it certainly brings up the conversation. Uh, you know what's what's Jeff's next move? So. I found it interesting, you know, Jeff and I uh, are social media friends at the very least. So I found it interesting. He posted a picture of Brooke, his wife, at the Fisher Cats Stadium, which is one of the teams where Jeff played minor yeah. league baseball. And, and he posted a picture of her and the caption read something I'm paraphrasing here from memory. Um, I've told Brooke all along that my political career, our political career, our political life is similar to our time in baseball. Uh, you know, Jeff grinded in the minor leagues. He never made it to the bigs, but he was a really good minor league ball player. Mm -hmm. If I were to compare, you know, if I engage in the, let's do a real comparison here of what it's like in politics. Are, you know, was it that you grinded in the minors and then you got out? Is that what you're trying to say? Or <laughs> did you look at the the time in the legislature as the minor leagues and then you made it to the big leagues as a lieutenant governor or are you still thinking that maybe there's a next step for you i don't know so i'm reading into a lot of stuff there i know i've <laughs> talked to jeff about any of it i find the conversation where he's in the equation fascinating it doesn't seem to me based upon what i know at this point that president is on his mind but the way they reported it in new hampshire was well he didn't say no and it's yeah. not like it's not like Jeff has ever been down in the bottom of the ninth and didn't come back to win, right? right. So, yeah. is there a world in which this could possibly happen? I don't know. Maybe. It's one of those multiverses that Mark Zuckerberg is creating for us. <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, before yeah. we before we wrap up, wrap up, uh, Scott Turner had a post today at 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 the Peach Pundit. Uh, in which he noted that Holly Springs has taken a very aggressive stance on civil asset forfeiture. Scott, tell us what the lovely city of Holly Springs, Georgia has done in regards to one of the most pernicious practices uh, that government utilizes to take your stuff. Let me tell you something. Um, I love the town that I live in. I love it a lot. Like I am very proud to live in the city of Holly Springs. I was before this happened. This is a great place to live. My community is an amazing place. Uh, it's one of the safest uh, cities in the state, if not the country. It's one of the best places to raise a family, to run a business, all of these things, right? And we have a very limited government, sort of libertarian-minded mayor named Steve Miller. I've gotten to know Steve over the years, 
and he was really supportive of my efforts to rein in civil asset forfeiture while I was in the legislature. And when I left, he was sort of dismayed that nobody picked up the torch and ran with it. So he decided he was going to do something locally. He issued a proclamation to the last city council meeting, ending the practice of civil asset forfeiture in the city limits of Holly Springs, regardless of whether or not there was a problem, because he said he didn't want future leaders to be tempted by the opportunity to pad their budgets by taking other people's property without due process. And he called the practice patently unconstitutional. And his proclamation can be read at peachpundit.com. We've posted it in full there, along with a comment from him. He had more comments to say. There were other city council, Michael Zinchuk, who sits on the city council, also chimed in saying, yeah, we shouldn't be padding our budgets this way. I'm really proud of my local government, folks. Listen, I put the flag up there for a reason. I'm, I'm celebrating them right now. Kudos, way to go. The best part of it is that he's not stopping here. He's going to try to make this a movement in other municipalities. He's sending his proclamation and what he's done to other mayors and other councils throughout the state. If this takes off, we could see a grassroots up movement to totally reform how we do social, how we do civil asset forfeiture in Georgia. It needs to also be boards of commissioners. Yep. You know, yeah. All, yeah. all along until the legislature finally takes action. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and if there's anything I can do awesome. to help in that, obviously I'm here. Um, I'm I'm still a, an American citizen with First Amendment rights. I will do whatever it takes to help. In that. <laughs> so. Awesome. I love it. In, in federal forfeiture news, the ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee, Jim Jordan, has co-sponsored the FAIR Act, the Fifth Amendment Integrity Restoration Act, which is a civil asset forfeiture reform bill uh, that is currently pending in the House. So, And uh, awesome. the other interesting thing on that is the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, Gerald Nadler, is also on that bill. So you now have the chairman and ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee on the same bill, which uh, in this Congress is quite a, quite a feat. So yes, hopefully... Absolutely. Hopefully we'll get some markup. We'll get a markup on that. The bill is not quite as extensive as Scott and I would like it to be. It doesn't prohibit a forfeiture pending uh, uh, a criminal conviction, but it does increase the ev evidentiary standard. And more importantly than anything else, it gets, a, it gets rid of the profit motive behind forfeiture. It gets rid of the equitable, federal equitable sharing program and directs all the proceeds from forfeitures to the treasury. Mm, okay, That's a huge win. I would take that. I yeah. would absolutely take that. It's not everything I'd want, but I would take that. For yeah, sure. it's, it certainly improves. It, it does. It brings some process improvements as well. Still waiting on Senator Rand Paul to reintroduce this bill. Uh, yeah. Congressman Loudermilk and staff, if you're watching, get on that, buddy. Oh, we know you watch. <laughs> get on that, buddy. Get on that bill. I what are you, you waiting for? That. I can, I can, that. I can code this entire, entire podcast to, to like work. If you, if, if you're, cause I know you're watching, I, we're, I'm lobbying you right now. Get on the bill. <laughs> like, don't make me set up another meeting and like come in and talk to you. I gotta do enough, I gotta do enough of that shit on the Senate side tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> like just get on the damn bill. <laughs> uh, need you, need you. Yeah, definitely yeah. need you. Uh, I'll, that's, that's it for the night. Uh, thanks so much, everyone, for joining the Peach Fund Podcast. We'll be back next week. Uh, I forgot to say this at the top, but uh, as always, please make sure you download, like, subscribe, and continue reading peachfunded.com for all your Georgia political discussions uh, when we have time to post in between our day jobs and all that <laughs> stuff. So uh, have a great rest of your week. Uh, I guess it's not quite, no, next, this isn't Halloween. So next, we'll save next week for Halloween. So, uh, and go Braves. Yes, go Braves.